from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we're going to talk about why you should put your phone away. And why, in all likelihood, you're probably a fraud. And I'll be sitting down with Emma Silvers to talk about her run-in with one Gwyneth Paltrow. We're pretty accusatory today. (laughs) Put your phone away. You suck, and you're faking it. And rate us on iTunes. (laughs) We love you guys. Well, my thing that I want to talk to you about this week is, you may have heard of them, mobile phones. (laughs) Quite a few people own one. Mm -hmm. I have some friends who have some. And I just think it's time that we all stopped and realized what we are doing to our lives with our mobile phones. And the thing that made me think about this is a very funny video that popped up on the internet a couple of days ago of the Houses of Parliament in the UK. There's a politician, a health minister called Jeremy Hunt, and he was in the Houses of Parliament and he was officially reprimanded for playing with his phone. He was on his phone during the session of this very formalized political event. And he was basically told, put that phone away. He had Mm. to be told twice because he kept bringing it out and fiddling with it. But to sit there fiddling ostentatiously with an electronic device defies the established convention of the House that such devices should be used, and I remind members, without impairing parliamentary decorum. They are impairing parliamentary decorum and in very simple terms are being rank discourteous to the Shadow Secretary of State and to the House. It's a point so blindingly obvious that only an extraordinarily clever and sophisticated person could fail to grasp it. So, So, I mean, that's as heated (laughs) as we get. So, (laughs) that's as heated as my people get. (laughs) But it did make me think, my God, if someone's sitting there fiddling with his phone while this is going on, while these things are being discussed. Where does it stop? Where do we draw the line? So I wanted to run past you a few situations that I think it would have been unfathomable to have had your personal mobile phone in your hand. Like even two years ago, you'd have thought, (laughs) who would do that? And now it's not only common, it's actively acceptable. I probably wouldn't even be surprised if I saw a phone at a funeral. I don't think you would be. Because <laughs> like I'd just be like, oh, you know. <laughs> funeral they're, they're selfies. Tweeting, they're tweeting their condolences. <laughs> it happens. If you Google funeral no, selfies, no, you will no. see yep. a whole generation of little Snapchatters. And they smile in them. They do. In like the a, funeral selfies? Yeah, it's yeah. like at least look moody like Victoria <laughs> yeah. Beckham or something. <laughs> and they'll caption it like, so sad, goodbye, granddad. And then I'll have like a little crying emoji. But they'll be smiling in the selfie. The dissonance is just unbelievable. So funerals, definitely one. You're going to turn me into one of those people who talk about the youth now. I know. <laughs> well, I think it's pronounced youths. The youths. I think yeah. it's actually pronounced ute. Oh, we need go. to get over this drought so I can get my lawn. I told you I need my lawn. I'm waiting. Let's not blame this all on the youth because I'm about to I say know. a place that I know that both of you have brought phones in. Right? Because everyone has done it. You're about to call yeah, us I out. I know what you're going to say. It is the bathroom yeah, you know yeah. you're right can you're you right. imagine like 10 years ago picking up your little like corded phone 
and bringing it into the bathroom. You know what? Actually, I can. Because when I was <laughs> a teenager, we had rotary phone back in the day. The ones mm. that you had to like twirl around and it was like... So we had that. So I went to the 99 cent store and I got an extra long cord so that I could just walk throughout the house and talk. Sneaky this one. Yeah. So I, I can't remember a specific time, but I'm pretty sure on a late night, I probably snuck in the bathroom to talk to high school sweethearts or but wait, girlfriends. Were you on the toilet at the time? Nah, nah. <laughs> this is my thing. Here's the thing, though. You wouldn't take a rotary phone into the bathroom because you don't bring a phone into the bathroom to make calls. Well, I've heard people you read, having conversations in a public restroom, huh? That part is weird. When That's I hear people in the stall, so I'm like, strange. oh, girl. Like the iPhone has replaced like the magazine mm-hmm. or like reading materials or a newspaper, which people used to take into the bathroom all the time. That's a good point. It is still kind of gross. But... but you're not like texting the magazine. You're not tweeting the magazine. You're actually making a human connection with someone who has no idea that you're no sitting idea. on a toilet. You don't mind if you're text messaging? Yeah. Oh, you yeah, that is. Yeah. One time I FaceTimed on the toilet. No, Emmanuel. Did the person know that you were on the toilet? They found out. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Did you, did you mute it when you like flushed the toilet? You had to mute oh. it. <laughs> I tried to be sneaky, but it didn't work out. Hurricane hapsis. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't. I can say that I have been on the toilet on the phone call before because I've had to mute it before. Like, okay, I'm not going to let them hear the flush. You want to keep it cute? Well, mm-hmm. I did do some research, and apparently, in 2013, a study revealed that 75 percent of people admit to using their phones on the toilet. So mm-hmm. if that was in 2013, just imagine how that percentage. We're at 100. We're at 110%. It's not possible, but it's true. It's true. Okay, so let's get out of the bathroom for a second Mm. and go to the bedroom. Oh, whoa. Mine's out of the gutter, guys. This isn't what I'm thinking. (laughs) That's how Jameter ended up with three kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Been using your phone lately, Jameter? Yeah. I'm more thinking about when you are reading your phone, potentially at night, and that little light is illuminating your face and you hold it above your face with your little hands to try and read the, <laughs> the words Trump, on the screen. I was going to say that, but I was like, listen, I'm not trying to get the little email. dinosaur hands. not trying to get the tweet. And it falls on your face. Have you ever had <gasps> oh, that? Oh, you fall asleep and it like yeah. falls on you? Yeah. Oh, well, also you're just clumsy and it goes, dunk, just falls on you. And you wonder why you slept badly it's last a, night. It's an addiction. We, it is. We're, we're addicted. It is. It's still, we're too far gone at this point. Yep. yep. Another place that people bring phones, and this is for the, uh, the working peeps among us, meetings. Can you imagine even like two, three years ago, bringing your personal mobile phone into a meeting and having it set in front of you, not even like sneakily in your pocket, like Uh -uh. actually in front of you. And every time it goes and says something, you check it now. That would have been unfathomable. But see, so here's the thing. Like nowadays, you can't assume that when somebody's on their phone, they're just on their phone fiddling around. Like nowadays, people take notes on their phone. They do all kinds of things. But I have seen people on Facebook and I'm like, listen, I see you. The Facebook is the limit, but sometimes I'm paying my bills on my phone. That's true. I am... Texting a lot. <laughs> um, and like wiki holes, one bit of information yeah, leads to another. To another. And that you're is, just educating that is yourself. Learning. Yeah. yeah, I'm out of college, so you I have start to start reading about like. Lamar Burton would be proud. Yeah. Yeah. Also, holidays. I remember a friend once called me to wish us Christmas Day, and my family were just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what, what's wrong with her? Is she okay? Is there something you need to know? Does she have no family of her own? But I did, I genuinely remember that time where the holidays were sacrosanct. Like you didn't make calls. You certainly didn't turn a computer on to check email. Oh. But now... Now everyone's Snapchatting, Instagramming. Yeah. And like, where are we going tonight? Because I can't be in this house yeah. anymore. And also, it's a practical reason as well, because you want to take photos. And of course, where's your camera now? It's on your phone. So mm-hmm. I will let people off because of that. But I just think it is fascinating. 
celebrating Christmas Day selfies. And people have mm. to listen to the Cooler Podcast on Christmas, too. That's so, I know. so true. Yeah. Since we go to all that effort to make special holiday ones for you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go back and listen to them, people, because we made them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and my last one, dinner parties. Oh. When someone comes oh. to your house, sits there, drinks your wine, eats your food, and has their phone in front of them the whole time. We all have a sickness. In conclusion. Mm. What, do we, what do we do, Carly? I, I don't know. I, don't, I think this is just the way we're going. What's the joke about you work all day staring at a screen to earn the money to be able to go home and relax? And stare, and stare at a screen. At a screen. <laughs> Hopefully it's a bigger, nicer Hopefully. one. It's actually not. Yeah, mine's smaller as well. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a conversation that I was having with someone in the office. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if they made it up. But they were saying that we are eventually going to evolve to where our necks are going to bend down yep. because of the way we oh, deal man. with our cell phones we and we're always looking down and hunching at these devices. And so eventually we will evolve. So that chart is going to continue. <laughs> yep. Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> the sequel. It was a prophecy, guys. Victor Hugo was oh. like, I see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what that book's about. I think it is too. Yeah, let's go with that. I can make you put your phone down. I can make you, I can make you, I can make you put your phone down. I can make you put your phone down. I can make you, I can make you, I can make you put your phone down. So I have a little confession to make. Ooh. I believe that I am a fraud. Oh. <gasps> but let me just start <laughs> by reading a really important quote. I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out, end quote. So you're probably thinking that quote came from, like, some young and up-and-coming author who's uh, written 11 books. Okay. <laughs> Self-publishing. <laughs> but that quote actually comes from one of the most prolific poets of our time, Miss Maya Angelou. Oh, wow. Maya right. Angelou. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the fact that I feel like an imposter. And according to a study that I read, 70% of us also feel like imposters every day. You're not alone. <laughs> 70% of us have what is called or what we all know as imposter syndrome. Oh, where you feel like you're going to get found out at any at moment. any, any For not any being who moment. you're projecting. To yes. Be. And a recent study conducted by the International Journal of Behavioral Science says that 70% of us feel that way. That we feel like... You know, we are somewhere or we have something that we're not supposed to have. I'm astonished the number is not higher. That means 30% of people think that they're doing okay. <laughs> they're like, yeah, cool. I'm here. I, sh- I should be I here. I got this covered. <laughs> exactly. No, no way, don't. man, with the clipboard. Uh, and apparently, like, evidence suggests that it's higher for millennials or people who are growing up in this particular um. generation because of technology. And so, like, everything is ever-changing. It's always different. So it's kind of hard to feel like, yeah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Because guess what? It's completely different tomorrow and the month after. So all of us are just sort of, like, trying to figure it out. Also, bosses come to us to find out how to do, like, new important things. And they're like, you're a millennial. You know how to do this. And it's like, uh, but should I be leading whole, like, strategies around this? Like, isn't <laughs> that your gig? So. Yes. Yeah. I have to do it even though I'm an intern or whatever yeah. it is. I feel this sometimes. But we're all learning on the job. Anyone who says... I have this covered, I'm like great all the time, is lying to themselves and they're ramping up for midlife crisis that will end on midlife crises. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like you have too much confidence and that eventually crumbles. That, that is the 30% of the people who are like, you know what, I got this. Clearly. Clearly. 
Although on the other hand, I guess it, it's great to like be confident in yourself and be like, I do got this and like affirmations and stuff. I so, think the, yeah. I, I would say this kind of speaks to a bigger idea about getting to a certain age and you're thinking, oh, I, I think I'm meant to be an adult now. And you feel like something would have just, like a little gift from the heavens would have been delivered to you by now saying, this is what you do. And it never comes. Someone I know said that they never realized that adult life was going to be so much about pretending to be good at things. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so true. I'm like, okay, so I am. I have been patiently waiting for my adulting welcome package to come in the mail and it has still not arrived. I've had a wedding. I've owned a house. I've had children. I have a minivan, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when? And a full-time job and health insurance and a retirement plan. Yep. And you're like, I'm still a teenager. And I'm like, dude, when does the adulting welcome package come? I think once you signed the warranty thing or whatever on the van. On the minivan. Yeah, I was like, okay, that was it, it, right? Yeah. Signed away your youth with that one. <laughs> Was it like Start. Lucifer being like, and if you could just sign that? I was thinking great. Ursula and Ariel signing that document. I just went straight for Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting about this article is that it started off being kind of like about women mm-hmm. and specifically. And I was like, uh, don't put this all on them. But like part of me understands why it's like, oh, well, culture treats women like they can't do shit and they probably need affirmations more than men who are always told from infancy you can do anything you put your mind to and Mm -hmm. like you can be a basketball player or the president or whatever but at this stage i'm just kind of surprised that this is the angle people are taking but it was good that this article dovetailed away from that and explained this is actually across the board men academics medical professionals whatever you are you probably feel like an imposter and that you don't belong there and you're just faking it. Mm-hmm. It's not an inherent trait that is sort of like unique to women. When you read a lot of pieces about imposter syndrome, mm. it's, in my opinion, they're usually sort of like targeted to women. True. And I, I can, really I can see of... that as well because I think women spend a lot of their early years being told just to simmer down a little mm-hmm. bit as well. I think every woman has had that experience of um, being a girl in, say, school, like middle school or something, and being told like, whoa, stop being so bossy or mm-hmm. just calm down a little little bit and so that kind of stays with you and then you get to a certain point where people aren't saying that to you so explicitly and you kind of feel that maybe you should be making up the shortfall you know Mm -hmm. this is the time where you can start speaking widely but you're still kind of waiting for permission yeah, yeah, I've been told. My, I've been told that my daughter's a bit of a ringleader, and I was like, "Good, good." Yeah, Demetra, was there a moment that you just realized, "Yes, I'm probably an adult right now." Yes, yeah, so I've got. I think I have like a few adulting moments. I think one of them was when we bought our house and we were signing the mortgage paperwork, which is like a brick thick of paperwork. Oh yeah, and you're reading through all of it. And then you're like a 30-year loan and the weight of everything just starts to... You're like, 30 years? Yeah, I'm just like... (laughs) That's ages! And then I was like, oh, one, this bank trusts that I'm going to pay back this money. This is huge. Joke's on them. I keep waiting for the adulting thing. When I turned 18, I was like, I'm a grown-ass woman. I can think for myself, mom. (laughs) But but it, it never came. I'm a grown woman. I can do so whatever ever. I want. Yes. Uh, you made me listen to the album. So, Emmanuel, when did you realize you were a grown woman? No, no. Emmanuel, <laughs> when did you realize you were a grown-ass man? Well, <laughs> I was in college, and it was my freshman year, and I didn't have any friends, so I pretended to smoke outside. And then, oh, yeah. You, wait, sorry. 
you're you're about to gloss over this. I can mm-hmm. tell you were pretending <laughs> to smoke with what? One of those little kind of fake yeah. cigarettes. It was a real cigarette that I bumped off someone, but I didn't want to be smoking it. So I would like puff and then just like try not to choke oh. and then just hold oh. it until oh. I just wanted to like be out with people. My heart is breaking for baby. And smoking is such a social thing, right? Yeah. Like smokers, they'll be huddled together out in the rain together. They bond. Yeah. So this girl came up to me which was the whole aim of the thing is to like make a friend. She comes up to me. She was like, are you Mindy's brother? Mindy's my older sister. Oh, okay. Hi, Mindy. Hi. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's me. And she was like, oh my God, my name is, I don't know, Stacy or something. Some and- friend, some friend <laughs> that it was. Becky. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, I went to Greek school with Mindy and there's a bunch of Greek school people upstairs come up. And so I go up there. I drink for the first time. Oh, wait, I- how old are you? I was 18 or maybe even 17 at this point. Light blue. Right. So like smoking and drinking all in one. I you were know. just really gone. So just got it in yeah. there on a Wednesday or something. You say something on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. that. Damn, that could have been great. So I go up there. I thought drinking was all about just getting past the taste. And then you're set. Oh, so you just kept going. So I was like, oh, it's actually tasty now because I was getting drunk and I drank so much. I ended up on the floor in the bathroom oh, no. puking and feeling so bad. Aww. And I called my mom and my sister, Mindy Hagen, and I was like, you guys need to pick me up. This is really bad. I'm done. And they're like, no. They made you like live with your choice. Uh, yeah. Tough love. Mindy. Mrs. Hap says. Right. But I appreciate that they did that because it taught me a lesson of like, no, you're an adult now. If you drink this much. You're going to have to deal with the consequences and with any other thing that you do. It's on you to clean up your own mess. Like you can't get a get out of jail free card Mm -hmm. from your parents. Since then on, I'm like, I'm on my own. I will take care of my own stuff. And now I'm an adult. Now, do you feel like a grown up? I do. I'm like in charge of myself and I feel empowered. But I do feel like a kid at work. (laughs) Because people treat me like one. So um, it comes and goes. I don't know about you. I want to keep a childish sense of humor. I never want to stop with giggling at stupid things because mm-hmm. stupid things tickle me more than anything. And the day I stop finding ridiculous things like face swaps, I just discovered <laughs> how to do face swaps. Oh my gosh. And It'll I change your life. Honestly, like I have never laughed harder and I don't want to kind of navigate myself away from that kind of arena of being able to laugh at really stupid things. That would make me sad. <laughs> when did you realize you were an adult? Oh, God, I still don't feel like one. See, like, me neither. TBD. No, TBD. Like, I, I, maybe I felt grown up when I got married, but not really because, you know, anyone can do that. Like, And you got a dog in a house. I got, mm-hmm. I got a house and a dog. And I'm moving, I suppose, here, kind of immigrating to the U.S. That felt, like, momentous. So, yeah, I suppose. So, to sum it up, you're great just the way you are, and you are an adult. <laughs> So you guys, mm-hmm. I'm reviving an old segment. Oh okay. God, what is it? You have such a grin on your face, like <laughs> <laughs> obligatory news story Ooh. of the week. Let's go. The segment. This just on the wire. <laughs> that segment lasted for like the first three episodes. People still bring it up. They're like, I like. 
that obligatory news story. And it's like, girl, we haven't done that in like 30 weeks. Exactly. But I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So this news story is coming all the way from Canada. (gasps) Is it Drake? (laughs) No. (laughs) There's this 17-year-old, Jonathan Nicola. He's six foot nine. And he's this like all-star basketball player. He's a junior in high school at Catholic Central High School in Windsor, Ontario. And his coach was like, he's going to be in the NBA after he graduates high school and college and all this stuff. But he's so young now. So like if he's this good now, imagine when he's like 30 or something. And that day came sooner than they expected (laughs) because he was found out to actually be an imposter. He's almost 30 years old. No. And posed. He pulled a 21 Jump Street? (gasps) He pulled a Never Been Kissed. Drew Barrymore. (laughs) I'm going back to high school. But he didn't have, like, an expose in mind. It was actually for real sad reasons. He's from the South Sudan, and he emigrated to Canada so that he would have better opportunities and could send money back home. All valid. So the way they found him out is that he tried to get entry into the U.S. to, like, play a game with his team or something like that. And they had records of his fingerprints trying to enter the U.S. before as his birth date, 1986. Oh, yeah. You know they don't play that right now. They were like, wait a second. Yeah. They found him at school after school one day, and they, like, show up, and they're like, um, are you 17? And he was like, no. <laughs> and then he said this quote, which makes me real sad. Quote, I am not a liar person. I did not come here to harm any people or do something bad. He was just trying to better his family's life and his own life, and his country is, like, war-torn, and there's terrorism and crazy mm-hmm. things happening. So his intent makes sense to me, but he's being treated like he... Is a criminal because it is against the law. So he's in jail somewhere or in a detention center or something. Is he going to be deported or is he still in this I read an article or? where they can't deport him because of Canada's laws. They're not going to send him back to a war-torn country mm-hmm. where yeah. he's like fleeing. So Yeah, it's a human rights issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he might be able to stay. But anyway, that kind of dovetails nicely with your imposter thing mm-hmm. and leads me to another thing that's about imposters, but not sad at all. So okay. we can like bring it in back out. All right. So there's this show that I watched two seasons of in two days. It's called Younger and it stars Sutton Foster and Hilary Duff. Oh, I've oh. heard of this show, but I've never watched it. Okay. Wait, detail. isn't Sutton Foster like she's a Broadway star? Yeah. But then she was in something called Bunheads, which is by the Gilmore Girls creator. And now she's in this. I heard that was actually very good. It was, but not as good as Gilmore Girls. But we don't have all day, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise is this 40-year-old mother gets divorced because her husband is Jay-Zing behind her back with some Becky. Some Becky. And she tries to get a job and, like... She has to sell her house and, like, get back in the workforce. Problem is, the hiring committees are run by 26-year-old girls who are like, you want to be, like, an entry-level publisher assistant? No. What have you been doing for these past years? And she's like, I've been running a household and a family. And, like, and they're like, no. And so she couldn't get hired. like, those things have no value. Come on. (laughs) We raised ourselves. Mm -hmm. Hello. Do you even have a Snapchat? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So she, as a joke, is like, whatever. I'm just going to pretend to be 26 this one time and see what happens. And she gets the job and then has to pretend to be 26. And she keeps getting deeper and deeper into the situation. Her best friend is Hillary Duff, who has no idea. Her 26-year-old bestie is actually 40. Oh, she doesn't know. Her cute new boyfriend, who's a tattoo artist, also 26, and doesn't know that she's 40. Wah, so wah. hijinks ensue. On this episode in season two, 
Hillary Duff's character is given all this new responsibility because she's proven herself in the workplace. And they're like, you're going to have your own imprint under this publishing company geared towards millennials. So she has an idea. It's like 100 things women think about when they're giving blowjobs. Oh. Uh-huh. Are there so, 100? Apparently. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we don't have to go into that. And so she is at the launch party for this thing. And she ends up lying down on the ground, crying, having a breakdown. And she says, quote, I feel like such an imposter. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then Sutton Foster comes in as the 40-year-old pretender. Who's an actual imposter. Mm -hmm. uh Saying, quote, nobody knows what they're doing. You just fake it until you make it. And so you heard it on Younger. You heard it here on this podcast. There's a theme. There's a theme. And if you're not sold on this show, I'm going to let you know of some things that happen. I'm not going to go into too many details because you should experience it yourself. Tantalizes. The first tantalizing thing. Mm -hmm. Hillary Duff gets a goddess cup stuck, you know where? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) And then because they're best buddies, 26-year-old Hijinks since you. Um, Sutton Foster has to... Retrieve it? Yes, she does. At that, work. That was a great friend. That's a really good friend. Good and, Lord. and the scene right after that where Sutton Foster comes out at the <laughs> the bathroom and goes into a meeting or something, she's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> Shell shot. <laughs> I actually remember a very similar scene in Sex and the City and being absolutely scandalized by it. It was very, very casual. It was uh, Samantha and Carrie, I think, who had to go into a bathroom together. And I remember thinking, <gasps> was it the so balls? Rude. Sex and the City paved the, the way. Mm-hmm. It really did. There is a moment of bestiality. Oh! <laughs> Emmanuel, why are you recommending this to us? It's funny, though. Funny bestiality. Oh. Oh. There's sexting your boss by accident, having to deal with the repercussions of that. Oh, dear. I mean, we've all worried about it. At least I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a preoccupied well, my you mind. Know, but this is, this, is, this is like a full circle. This is back to that text messaging and the, and the phone situation, yep. uh-huh. right? Do it quickly, guys. It's so Careful. easy to just like... <laughs> I'm just thinking about that picture you sent us the other day. (gasps) Okay, I did send Emmanuel and Jamida a picture intended for my husband, but it was the world's most tedious photo. It was PG. It was PG. But you know what could have been. So we got got to be careful. It was me and a dog. Come on. The way you looked at that camera was not the way you look at us. Squinting, the sun was in my eyes. Mm-hmm. My foot had just like, been run over. I can't guys. get off this couch. Yeah. She was, she was like smizing with a little hand, like a wink, wink. Yes, <gasps> genuinely blushing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, put your phones away. Watch younger and. Oh, wait, put your phone away, but then go and turn on the television. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's totally different. Different screen. Uh-huh. It's like very 80s. Yes, TGIF, yes. 90s, whatever. Retro. So. Retro. Yeah, and then just indulge in the imposter dumb that surrounds all of us. We're all 40-year-olds masquerading as 26-year-olds. Somewhere in our souls. Just relish it, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life's short. Serious message. You heard it here. Yeah. So some of you long-term listeners might remember Emma Silvers. She was featured on episode two, where she educated us about the tipper sticker and censorship in the 90s in the music world. And today, she's going to educate us about what it's like to have a run-in with Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Hi, Emma. Hi, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me. So before we get into your run-in with Gwyneth, let's talk about the strong reactions people have to her brand. So on one hand, it's safe to say that most people our age don't have the most positive association with Gwyneth. Her reputation is that she's 
out of touch a little bit, mm-hmm. clueless, some people say, mm-hmm. not aware of her privilege. Correct. Being born into a celebrity world does that to some people. Makes sense. So all that's enough to warrant a general distaste. But usually people's reactions to her is very visceral and very intense. Why do you think that is? I think that it's a combination of being extremely privileged and beautiful and wealthy, but not really acknowledging that level of privilege. She seems bent on marketing her brand, Goop, as cooking tips, shopping tips, travel advice for regular people. And that's just kind of insane when you look at some of the things she's selling. They're insanely expensive. And to not acknowledge that is really condescending. Can we go over the list of certain things that are priced a bit higher than we would expect? <laughs> yeah. So you wrote in your piece, which is on KQD Pop, titled Deep Breaths, colon, a dispatch from the Gwyneth Paltrow Industrial Complex. Great job on that one. A little line. dramatic. <laughs> Thanks. In that you said that there were $1,200 spoons. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's a set of three copper serving spoons. Only three. Three. They're lovely, but they are $1,200 for three spoons. So couples out there only have one child because <laughs> the other kid's going to have to have a plastic spoon from McDonald's or something. Sorry. <laughs> $300 wall tassels. Mm-hmm. Just in case your wall looks a little dreary, you can like throw a tassel on there. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if there was some use that I couldn't identify. They were hanging on the wall and I like leaned in to look at the price tag and try to figure out if there was something else to it. And there really wasn't. They were just like large colored tassels that were on the wall. I think it's to take Instagram photos of probably. Right. It's like, Sorry. look at my wall tassel. Hashtag $300. Hashtag goop. <laughs> um, $200 apron. Uh, with leather straps that you need to remove with a screwdriver before you wash it. And then you're not allowed to dry it either. Okay. It's like really complicated washing and drying instructions for an article of clothing you're supposed to wear while cooking. And an article of clothing that's to protect arguably the more expensive clothing you're wearing underneath. Exactly. Huh. Okay. A $165 keychain that says love. Yeah. Yep, Stella McCartney. It was plastic, too. It wasn't carved from, like, an elephant tusk or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God. That would be problematic (laughs) for its own reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the general theme seems to just be that everything is way more expensive than it should be and that that's a normal way to live your life, being able to buy those things. And I've heard people say that her lifestyle brand just seems a bit condescending. Sure. Even down to... The title of her new, is it a cookbook? It's a cookbook. It's a recipe book, yeah. And it's called It's All Easy. It's All Easy. It really is if your mom is Blake Danner. (laughs) (laughs) That's the lesson that I took away from uh, most of yesterday. The idea was that she wanted to share recipes for regular people, weeknight meals for the busy home cook, which is just so ridiculous because what do weeknights mean to Gwyneth Paltrow? Like, Mm -hmm. has she ever had a job where that meant anything in her life. She's like, just plop down some burrata <laughs> on the piece of sourdough you just made right. from scratch. It doesn't take much time at all. She's trying so hard is the other thing that I think makes people have kind of this visceral, awful reaction to her. If yeah. It's just like, stop trying so hard to be something you're not. You're a rich, beautiful lady. Do that. That's fine. Yeah. Don't try to be relatable. Despite all the stuff that we just said, there are a lot of people who are followers of her. Sure. 
could even say disciples. Sure. It seems like they want to idolize the way she lives. They want to cook the same recipes, organic, of course, Mm -hmm. in the same frying pans, which are like $3,000, wearing the same face cream to have the same kind of skin that she does. So what do you think is behind all this idolization of her and wanting to be like her, other than all of us wanting to be famous and rich? I can only tell you what some of the women I met yesterday told me, and I feel bad because they were really lovely. I met, I talked to a few girls who were just very open and excited and happy to share what they loved about her. I think if you are a person who sees healthy, organic eating as a major part of your identity, Mm -hmm. if that is one uh, aspect of your life that you kind of view as a style, if that makes sense, or a part of your brand, I think that she is someone to look up to because she seems very committed to those principles. It does seem like a lot of people want some guidance and how how do I live my life? I'm an adult now. Right. What am I into? She's picked out a specific aesthetic and I can just subscribe to this and then she'll tell me what to buy. She'll send me a newsletter. Mm-hmm. She'll make a cookbook for me. It's all good. I get that appeal. And we were talking earlier that she's kind of like Martha Stewart 2.0. Sure. And I guess, unsurprisingly, Martha Stewart does not like this association with Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. Tell me about this. Okay. So I vaguely remembered Martha saying something shady and rude. Some shade. Yeah. I'm vaguely aware of it, but I don't know what it is. It was worse than I remembered. Here's the direct quote. I'm so excited. (laughs) Quote, she just needs to be quiet. She's a movie star. If she were confident in her acting, she wouldn't be trying to be Martha Stewart. End quote. Martha. What the hell? That is... Not a good look. No. (laughs) It's fine to be competitive. Right. But it seems like any time a woman comes up who's trying to do the lifestyle thing, Martha Stewart attacks them. She did it with Bethany Frankel, who was on The Apprentice with Martha Stewart. I did not know that. She came in second place. Bethany ended up doing Skinny Girl and all this stuff. Sure. And since then, complete shade. When asked about Blake Lively, who's also trying to do something similar, Martha had more to say. Okay. Quote, I don't get the sense she's credible. She's enthusiastic, but she's not credible. I'm going to go out on a limb and agree with Martha there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, as actresses who I actually think could vacuum a living room, like if someone put a vacuum in their hands, like Blake Dively is not at the top of the list. Yeah, not high on that one. Mm -mm. I didn't realize that Martha Stewart was so easily threatened. I mean, she has such an empire. She doesn't need to be. I guess she doesn't subscribe to Shine Theory. It's like, when you shine, I shine. She needs to work on that. Mm. So... In your piece, you brought up the question of whether Gwyneth is in on her polarizing status or if she's at least aware of it. Do you have an opinion on whether she is or not? I think she has to be. I think anyone who is trying to build an empire the way she is has to keep tabs on their image and how they're being received. It's part of being a good business person. That said, I think if she took any of the more substantial, what I think are fair criticisms to heart, she might not be charging forth with her brand in the particular way that she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do feel kind of sorry for her. I can't imagine reading headlines. I think she was voted like the number one most hated celebrity in the world or something. 
a couple years ago when it was like Anne Hathaway hate was at its peak. Yeah, and she beat Anne Hathaway. She beat Anne Hathaway. She beat Kristen Stewart. That's hard people. to do. I know. She beat. I was looking at this list. It was like I just looked at the top ten, and Chris Brown was like number nine. Oh God, <laughs> he is given so many chances, right? And they're like, well, his new single's fire. It's like I don't care. He is an awful he's human a, being. He's a trash. Ugh, anyway, God. an insult to humanity at large. <laughs> So you went to this event. It was a pop-up shop mm-hmm. called Goop MRKT because vowels are very middle class. They're so passe. This was the first day of this pop-up. For its launch, she was signing books. It was a scene. I mean, it was as much of a scene as, like, very polite women in their 20s and 30s who were, like, I guess on their lunch breaks or just don't have jobs. Everyone was very well-dressed. Other than that, it just seemed like people were, you know, stoked to see her. Excited to be in this space that made them feel rich. There was a living room setup area that I like sat down in afterwards to collect myself. And I I could tell very quickly it was like, oh, I kind of never want to leave. <laughs> very seductive. So, yeah, I could see where a lot of them were coming from. So going off that feeling that you had in that fake living room afterwards. Yeah. You've said that after spending time in this environment, you felt like your attitude towards Gwyneth and Goop kind of softened a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you felt like your molecules changing a little bit. Yeah. Talk a little about that. Well, she was really sweet. I mean, you know, she's a professional actress, so you never know how much of that is real. But in my few experiences with meeting celebrities, she was relatively really, really friendly and kind. And she seemed excited to talk to people. She was taking the time to talk to every single person who was asking her to sign their books. And I just have the sense that she's trying She either doesn't know any better or, I don't know, she's making some people really happy. So you got to ask her one question. Mm -hmm. You texted me and said that you asked her, what do you do when things don't feel easy? And I jokingly texted back, just breathe and whip up some organically sourced ceviche. Mm -hmm. Because I'm an (laughs) (laughs) a**hole. You are also correct. (laughs) And then her response was pretty close to that. What did she say to your question? Well, at first, she looked kind of annoyed, which was a little bit exciting. My heart started beating a little faster, like, I just pissed off Gwyneth Paltrow. But yeah, she said, just take some deep breaths Mm -hmm. and keep putting (laughs) one foot in front of the other. And she did like a, this is radio, can't see me, but she did like a real deep, nod and she's so pretty i was kind of just like okay you're like i'll do that whatever you say Gwyneth. <laughs> and i like floated away well thank you so much for going to the front lines and coming back with all of this intel please my pleasure when you meet another problematic celebrity please come back <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's good incentive to do something similar it was rough open invitation If you want to read Emma's piece on this whole experience, there are pictures and so much more. You can go to kqd.org slash pop and you'll find it there. So we end every episode with a song. That we do. This week. Carly has one. What is it? Oh, it's a deep cut from all the way back in 2010. You know how Ooh. you um, songs you liked previously, you kind of forget about them and then mm-hmm. they pop back up on your your playlist on Spotify or other streaming services are available. But something just comes up and it's like a little ghost from the past. Mm-hmm. This is what happened to me with this song. It is You Got the Dirty Love by Florence and the Machine featuring Dizzy Rascal performed live <laughs> at the 2010 
Brit Awards. Oh, this is specific. 2010 is that sentence. Do you guys even know who Dizzy Rascal is? No. I don't know. He is a British rapper. He's tons of fun. He's friends with Alfalfa. (laughs) Did a great song called Bonkers. Great. And I know this sounds all absolutely insane, but the song is really good. It's a cover of Candy Staten's You Got the Love, which is objectively one of the best songs of all time. And the Candy Staten line is sung by Florence of Florence and the Machine with added raps with Dizzy Rascal. But the thing is, he's rapping about 2010. He's rapping about the recession, you guys. Seriously, these lyrics, I'll give you a little taste of the lyrics because they are topical. We're talking credit crunch. We're talking post-crash. He says... took you all the way back. Seriously. Like, the song is just bizarre and it's amazing. It said, everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to be nameless, aimless. People act shameless trying to live like entertainers. Want a fat crib with the acres. And he goes on and on about how... Harley just spit a rhyme, yo. She sure That was me just, like, saying it fast. (laughs) But I feel like that almost worked. Yo raps. (laughs) It said, spend their paycheck in the West End on a weekend. Got no money by the end of the weekend. Because they don't care because their life is a movie starring Louis V, paid for by yours truly. So Louis V. Louis wow. V. That's where we're taking it. Taking so it basically back, he's saying, I pay my taxes and I'm annoyed with all you guys taking my money. It's bizarre and it's kind of wonderful. And you're going to love it from the instant that those harps start. So take it away. Everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to be nameless. Aimless. People act shameless. Trying to live like entertainers. Wanna fuck him with the anchor. So the spare money that they ain't made yet. Got a band on tick that they ain't paid yet. Spend a paycheck in the West End on a weekend. Got no money by the end of the weekend. But they don't care because their life is a movie. Starring Louis V. Paid for by yours truly. Truthfully, it's a joke like a brand episode of Hollyoaks. Can't keep up with the cover up. So they've got bad credit living on direct. They've been in debt. They still don't get it because they're too busy living the high the nightlife, hugging the highway, living large and it won't say. Sometimes it seems the one is just too wrong. And things are wrong no matter what I do. That's right. Now that it seems like a life is just too much. Woo. You got the love I need to see me through. Check it, yo. Let me check it out. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Thank you to Howard Gelman behind the glass. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. 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 Bye.